From Connects Media, this is Atlanta Born and Brand. I'm your host, Jonathan Hilliard. We started Atlanta Born and Brand back in 2018 with the goal of bringing to light the incredible small businesses and entrepreneurs that make this city unique. Last year, we expanded our focus to give you a peek behind the curtain at some of the city's most iconic brands. We want to bring you stories from the whole spectrum of Atlanta culture. There are extraordinary organizations and companies in every corner of our city, both big and small. And this season, we can't wait to dig in even deeper into the people behind them. Our mission for this show is that you know about and care about your neighbors. Because Atlanta is our city, and this is our story. Hi, y'all. I'm Catherine, the producer here for Atlanta Born and Brand. I'll be taking over the intro today as Jonathan is out enjoying spring break with his kiddos this week. No worries though, we've got a really exciting episode today that I can't wait for y'all to hear. South Downtown, the very streets where Atlanta began. In 2016, Newport opened its Atlanta office and began investing in the future of South Downtown. Through 26 transactions, their team purchased 48 buildings and four and a half acres of parking lots. And the area's first renovation started with historic Hotel Row and 222 Mitchell. Stay tuned today for our conversation with Senior Vice President of Newport, April Stammel, to hear about their current and future projects, including plans for two residential buildings and their hopes to create a walkable, livable, inclusive, and connected neighborhood. Yes, ma'am. Well, first of all, thanks for having us. Yeah. Beautiful space here. Thank you. If you could, uh, one, just introduce yourself sure. and tell us what your role and what your, uh, what your company's goal here is. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, April Stammel. Mm -hmm. I am the Senior Vice President of Newport. Um, I lead marketing, leasing strategy, and community engagement here mm -hmm. for the team. I've been with the company for over five years, so essentially since our start in the U.S. Um, Newport, generally speaking, is a European-owned investor developer. We got started 25-ish years ago, um, sort of in like the shopping center redevelopment and then high street retail in Switzerland, uh, really focused on urban centers. Had always been interested in the United States and coming over here and finally in 2016, the founder, Olaf uh, Kuhnkat, he thought that was the right time. So came over to Atlanta, planted his headquarters here. Uh, for several reasons, but I think personally it's an easy non-stop flight to Berlin. Um, but we're just a friendly city for European investment and um, have other major headquarters here. So hired a local team and started evaluating projects all mm -hmm. over the region. Um, really trying to figure out what Newport's take on U.S. investment was going to be in development. After honestly losing a couple of deals we were really excited about, found ourselves walking the streets of South Downtown. And Olaf is an architect by training. He's European, so his appreciation for history and architecture is just um, a little bit different and unique. And ended up coming here um, and walking these streets and saying, we have to start here. Yeah. And I think his words at the time actually were, this is all beauty. And I'm an Atlantan. I'm pretty sure that I would not be walking these streets using those words. So I think what he saw, which I think honestly took an outsider, was you know, the incredible street grid, which is pretty unique to downtown. 
um, these like walkable blocks and the, the great scale of the historic buildings and just truly the endless opportunity to create a vibrant neighborhood again. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's where we started. We spent about two years acquiring buildings, um, 26 transactions, 48 buildings, four and a half acres of parking. So fairly successful um, two years acquiring things and assembling what is kind of our master portfolio down here. Yeah. And now we're, now we're doing the good work and revitalizing the buildings and starting to bring more life into the neighborhood. You talked about what Olaf saw uh, in, in what he called beauty. Talk about the detail and, you know, those 48 buildings and, and as you started to kind of peek under the hood, you know, some of those details that, that you guys saw that were really intriguing. Yeah, um, I'll say some of it was also scary. Uh -huh. So let, yeah. let's, let's be honest. As but, old buildings typically are. Yeah, yes. um, that have just been neglected over yeah. time. Um, but yeah, so I think you know, when you think about the history of Atlanta, this is where Atlanta began. Literally outside of this office um, were the very first vibrant streets of the city as it was being built. Our terminal station where the railroads intersected uh, was two blocks down the street. And so some of our oldest commercial buildings were here. And one of the things that we love as well you know, some of the areas of North downtown or around Five Points Marta Station have been torn down. These buildings really were just sort of forgotten. Right. And so we feel like it's a huge advantage that, uh, you know, we were able to take these buildings and, um, you know, are planning to really preserve that historic architecture. They just can't build buildings like this anymore. Right. Um, so it's, it's pretty unique. Some of the buildings that we have recently delivered at Hotel Row, I mean, they're fantastic. There's original penny tile floors and some of the retail units with the original um, uh, tenants like in the tile work in the front entryway. Uh, there's some incredible timber, like huge timber columns and beams and things that you just, we would never do now. We would never spend the time or the money to build like we did back then. Uh, some of the other things that we've uncovered uh, is just the passion for history in this neighborhood. Um, it honestly was a little bit surprising. There's not a ton of residents down here, but the ones that are down here uh, completely champion, you know, the, re the revitalization and mixed with the density that we're gonna bring in new residential. So hmm. there were just so many elements that continue to get us excited over and over again about, you know, what we're doing down here. So Hotel Row was sort of the first big bite. Talk to me about that project, how it went, uh, what surprised you in the process yeah. and, and where it is now. Yeah, um, yes, so Hotel Row, uh, we decided to start on Mitchell Street, which is just a block and a half towards Mercedes-Benz from here. And the reason we decided to start on Mitchell Street was because CIM at the time had just announced their acquisition of the Gulch and also the original Norfolk Southern Headquarter buildings. And so we felt like the momentum sort of starting around the intersection of Ted Turner and Mitchell with their project and our projects was gonna set the neighborhood up for the best sort of initial impact. Hotel Row, uh, historic Hotel Row is an incredible collection of buildings, mostly built as hotels in 1908, 1909. Um, so have most of that original character and the, the masonry and the heavy timber, 
I mentioned the penny tile floors. Some of them have the original tin ceilings or pressed tin walls. I mean, they're just incredible spaces. And we decided to start there um, also because we own both sides of the street. So the historic Hotel Row side, but then on the south side is 222 Mitchell Street. It's our biggest building. It's 330,000 square feet, so a wow. massive structure. But the idea that we would able, be able to create this conversation between Hotel Row and 222 and deliver that back to Atlanta almost together hmm. um, gave us the best feeling that from there, we could then spill out into other parts of the neighborhood. Uh, so Hotel Row is delivering to tenants now. We have our first office tenant in the building. Um, we have several retail tenants in for permit or building out their spaces. Mm. So at, you know, early next year, you'll be able to walk down the street and get a cup of coffee, mm. a bouquet of flowers, take home some yummy Thai food, maybe get a slice of pizza. So like really excited to finally be able to deliver back to the city and back to Atlanta, these spaces and, and people seeing for the first time, really, like the spaces as they were originally built, just thought about in a more modern way. Yeah, so I was gonna ask you, so much of what you guys do is conceptual and pre-visualized. What do you think that'll be like for you to, you know, I mean, you're already walking some of the tangible, the, you know, you can reach out and touch, mm -hmm. you know, the things, uh, the project that you guys have you know, nearly completed now. What's that gonna be like for you to, to see people enjoying that? I don't know. Yeah. I, mean, uh, I mean, it gives me chills with you asking that sure. question. I mean, this has been a long time coming. And I wanna say, you know, very vulnerably, I think the last three years in a row, I told people very confidently, hmm. this year, we'll be able to walk down the street and get a cup of coffee or an ice cold beer. Hmm. Um, three years in a row, COVID, economy, construction delays, um, that just hasn't happened. And so I think 2023 is our year. We will have those things open and those moments will start to happen and new memories will start to be formed in these spaces. And I mean, to say, you know, overwhelmed, it seems a little cliche, but it, it is going to be an overwhelming feeling to have those retail doors open again. April, talk to me a little bit. You mentioned there are very few residents in this neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, there's just not the opportunity, you know, and, you know, buildings have been abandoned and forgotten about. Um, you know, that kind of transitions into the project you guys are working on on Broad Street. Yeah. Um, what, talk to me about the goal of Broad Street, obviously bringing residents to the neighborhood and you know, being able to enjoy those amenities like Hotel Row and, and 222. But talk to me about the Broad Street project and the goals there. Yeah, this is um, this was a really big moment for our team. We have, since the beginning, always thought about Broad Street as sort of the heartbeat of South Downtown. Currently, it's a three block long street. It's sandwiched between two MARTA stations, really lightly trafficked from a vehicular standpoint and just really special. There's a lot of art on the street. Artists took it over well before we came into the picture. And so there's great murals, the buildings are at a great scale. And so there was something really distinct about that block. Um, we knew we wanted to do something special there, but honestly, COVID gave us the opportunity to take a step back and think about the responsibility we have to take every inch of property we own very seriously. And um, so we, we brought on a great architect to help us think about those blocks. Uh, this team is super well-versed in adaptive reuse and new construction. They're out of New York and DC. 
and um, just have a little bit of a different perspective and how those things can pair together. And our goal was residential, dense residential. We need to like pack the punch in and bring more people down here quickly um, in order for these retailers on Hotel Row and 222 to, to, to thrive. But then also doing it in a way that continues to drive the specialness of Broad Street. Um, and man, I mean, I'm, I'm just so proud of the work our team did. It was not without a lot of headbutting and tension and, you know, very um, collaborative, I'll say that in a nice way, um, workshops and conversations, just trying to figure out how do we balance the financial part of it, um, the need to sort of recreate these adaptive reuse buildings that front the street um, and building high dense residential um, in, in a market in Atlanta where people still need to park their car yep. and um, still have certain needs in order to make it financeable. So a lot of things went into it, but super proud of the end result. Yeah. Well, and you know, as Atlantans, we drive everywhere. So I won't say that, you know, obviously people will drive to Hotel Row and to 222, but how important is it to have that influx of people who will walk to Hotel Row and get a cup of coffee every day, you know, and, and have that residential, uh, you know, boom in this area to make sure that those retailers, retailers are successful? I mean, it's 100% it's essential. Yeah. Um, we have continued to talk about this. South downtown is a neighborhood. Mm -hmm. It's not a project. I think, you know, where I live, um, I like to talk about when COVID hit, the, the neighborhood itself is the sole reason those retailers survived. Mm. Uh, like our family went to the coffee shops every day, went and bought margaritas from the taco place. And, you know, I mean, we, we all doubled down on our neighborhood because, because we love the people and we wanted them to survive. That's not quite here yet. And so we need that residential is so important because that is who's going to come on a Tuesday night or mm. who's going to come out at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning. Um, and so really emphasizing that uh, has been a priority, residential in general. But that, that brings up a, a question and, you know, the candid conversation, piece of this conversation is, I think, especially in different parts of Atlanta, when people hear the word developer, it's almost like a four-letter word in some ways. Um, just from experience, what's yeah. happened all over the city, so many good things, there are challenging things that come with that. Talk about the challenge and maybe even the responsibility you guys feel to, uh, like, you, like you said, make sure you approach this project as a neighborhood and not a, a development project. One of the, the first approaches we took as a company was being in the neighborhood every day, mm -hmm. ground level, right? There's a reason that we have a storefront. There's a reason that our door is open and our space is built like a coffee shop would feel. We wanted to make sure that the neighbors, the people around here, knew that we were here for the long haul, we were walking the walk, and we were here for them. And so over the course of the last five years, we've taken a lot of time meeting with community members, key stakeholders. I mean, I do community tours, you know, these groups of community tours twice a year where we, you know, over eight or 10 days, we'll invite people in and just share with them our progress. It's been an essential part of, for us to just be vulnerable and transparent with yeah. our community. I even think going back to Broad Street, the way that we announced that and just sort of owning these like top five challenges and, and you know, questions that we knew we were gonna get, 
Um, owning that in our announcement to the community, I thought, put us in a really strong position because we were able to continue to refer people back to, here's, here's our approach, here was our thinking, this wasn't easy, but here's the result we got to, and we hope people can champion that end result, understanding, you know, kind of the process from a high level of what got us there. We still will have development challenges. I mean, there are, parking I would say is like the four letter word in our, in our office, because um, there are people who live in the neighborhood that say build us parking, who live in the neighborhood today who would like us to build them parking. But then there are people who don't live in the neighborhood who say you don't have to build parking. You're in between two transit stations. Why do you have to build parking? And so parking is such a personal, um, issue for a lot of people. Uh, I will say Atlantans just are not proving to be to the place where we don't have to build parking yet for apartment buildings. We are pushing our ratios. We're trying to be really conservative on what we're building. We're trying to do it incredibly thoughtfully and wrapping it with as much retail and residential so you don't see it from a consumer standpoint and Atlantan yeah. standpoint when you're on the streets. Um, but that's one of those things that we'll continue to grapple with and have honest conversations uh, with community members on. Um, but it is, and listen, I mean, I tell people all the time, we're going to call our bluff with Broad Street. We're building very minimal retail parking spaces and less than, or right at one per door for apartments. So not wow. one per bedroom, but one per door. I mean, let's, let's see how it all does, right? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be our moment of truth. And it's a lot of doors. It's a lot of doors, um, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things where, you know, hopefully we'll be able to attract bars and restaurants who don't have parking, sure, you know, needs as um, or don't see parking as a necessity. Hmm. I'll give a great example. So the the tenant we have at 222 Mitchell, it's called Pins Mechanical. They're Ohio-based but regionally focused. Fantastic leader. Um, he. I mean, immediately got energized walking these streets in the way that Olaf did in 2015 uh, and just, you know, said, I want to be a part of rebuilding this. This is incredible what you guys are doing. His parking ratio is zero. He said, hey, my people are going to figure out how to get here. There's ride share. There's transit. There's there's opportunities. That's not important to me. And so I think we're able we've been able to successfully find tenants who maybe don't have you know, not as a need. Sure. Didn't mean to go deep into parking, no, but that's, that's like great. a hot topic. It is, it is, it's important. Yeah. So if we hit the rewind button, yes. the Broad Street development, yeah. tell me what it is. What it is. Um, so right outside of our door, there's this amazing block on Broad Street between MLK and Mitchell Street. It has incredible historic fabric fronting the street and sort of a one to four story elevation. Um, those storefronts are going to be preserved and um, adaptive, ad adapted to modern use. We're going to be activating those rooftops on the historic buildings. And so you could picture sort of a two or three story retail restaurant with a connective patio on the rooftop of the neighboring buildings. Just these really unique things that you don't have here in the city. And then as you walk down Broad Street, you will sort of get a sense that there's something bigger at the edges. And so on the east and the west side, we're building two apartment buildings, um, one on each side. The, the east side of Broad Street will have 350 units. Um, it'll be 18 stories. It will have um, 
About 20% affordable units, so that's 70 units, uh, offered at affordable rates. Um, that's through a grant with Invest Atlanta, so a really important mm -hmm. partnership there. And then we'll have about 35,000 square feet of retail um, in those adaptive reuse projects, but then also on the ground floor of the new construction. On the west side, another 300 units uh, in an apartment building, um, and that one will be full market rate, but offering another 37,000 square feet of retail in the adaptive reuse and the new construction. What I love about these buildings is visually, if you could imagine, um, the east side is kind of the younger sister, so a little wilder, a little younger, a little <laughs> hipper, um, maybe attracting sort of like your graduate students or right out of college. Your west side is your older sister, so a little bit more put together and sophisticated, right. might be bigger units, a little bit more two bedrooms. So for people who are you know, just in a different phase of life than east. Sure. Together, both of those sisters, and, and the way I like to describe it, hug Broad Street and continue to drive like the specialness of that block through and through every step of the way. Mm. So really exciting um, development for us. Uh, our architecture partner studios has just been phenomenal. And um, yeah, we can't wait for that one to kick off. It'll hopefully break ground early next year and deliver in 2025. Hmm. So. so the, you already mentioned uh, 222 yeah. Mitchell, I guess your largest single piece of real yes. estate that you guys acquired or, or existing piece of real estate. Um, Tell me about the, the vision for 222. Yeah, such an interesting building. So it's actually been, it's three buildings that over time have been connected on mm -hmm. various floors. Um, the oldest building of the three faces Nelson Street. It's a 1909 building. So very similar vintage to the Hotel Row uh, buildings, masonry on the front, incredible ceiling heights and um, just a beautiful structure. It's two stories tall, three stories tall. Um, and then the other two buildings are the main ones that people think about when you mentioned 222. So they were built in the 50s, 60s, and 70s over time, continuing to be added on. It was built as CNS Bank uh, headquarters. So they had a consumer branch and then corporate offices. Uh, CNS was then acquired by Nations Bank, which was then acquired by Bank of America. And so in its last, um, when it was active last, it was Bank of, Bank of America's Southeast headquarters. Okay. Um, which was over 20 years ago, so it's been sitting empty for a long time. It's about 330,000 square feet, so a massive building, concrete structure, so it feels heavy and sort of, you know, tank-like, um, if you will, especially how it is situated on the block. But, you know, our architecture partner there is S9 out of New York, the same architects that did Pont City Market. And so they are really good at taking a structure that feels solid and hard, and opening it up and making it feel welcoming and vibrant and just like activated on the ground floor plane. So that's what they did with 222. On the ground floor, there'll be, um, gosh, from no matter where you like come to approach 222, you're gonna be met with something. So I mentioned Pins Mechanical. They'll be taking one side on the north and west. Um, they'll be wrapping the building. We're building actually a two-story out parcel for them and what was a surface parking lot connecting it with a courtyard So they're gonna have like this main, this main welcoming uh, Moment for people coming from Castleberry Hill or Centennial Yards over to South downtown uh, On the other side the southwest side we dropped a parking deck Which doesn't happen very often. So I just like to <laughs> say we're taking a surface parking lot and building on it We're taking a parking deck and we demoed it. We're creating a 6,500 square foot pocket park um, so again, we don't have a lot of public spaces or gathering spaces here in South Downtown, and we're trying to figure out 
creative ways of carving them out as we develop. Um, in future phases, you'll get to see how that pocket park interacts with other spaces throughout the neighborhood we're planning to develop. Uh, and then on the upper floors, it'll be about 250,000 square feet of Class A office. Mm -hmm. So um, even in the midst of a world where office is a little bit questionable, we're incredibly confident that that building is going to set up so well for some user. In my opinion, someone coming from outside of Atlanta into Atlanta, um, who is missionally based or charged by the idea that they can have a real impact in a neighborhood and that their employees can be a part of this evolving story. Um, it will certainly not be someone who wants glass towers in Midtown. There's nothing wrong with that. But this is going to be someone who says, yes, we want to be in the midst of a diverse talent pool. We want to be in the heart of something that's like really meaningful for the city. And so we're going to double down and put our space there. Yeah. So really excited about that building. Uh, we're hopeful that Penn's Mechanical will be open by the end of next year. Um, so, you know, not too far away. Yeah. Um, and that building right now, I mean, it's just go undergoing such incredible transformation. Mm. You, uh, you talked about impact and, you know, attracting businesses that are uh, impact and neighborhood focused, uh, you know, retailers who are, you know, local and who are reaching out to, you know, people that are uh, close by and live in the neighborhood. Um, talk to me, April, a little bit. You know, this development, while so big uh, uh, compared to others, is still just such a small portion of what's going on in downtown. Um, what impact, though, do you think that South Downtown can have on the neighboring neighborhoods? Yeah. <laughs> Double double uh, neighbor there, but uh, on the, the nearby neighborhoods, you know, we, we talk a lot on this show about this concept of a rising tide lifts all boats. Mm -hmm. uh, I say it all the time. Hope, what, what hope or expectation do you have of, of that concept happening here in South Downtown? Um, well, the good news is it's already happening. Yeah. So, you know, just to the west of us is Centennial Yards. CIM mm -hmm. came in um, a few years ago, purchased all of the Gulch, as Atlantans know it, um, have not rebranded it to Centennial Yards. They've delivered their first residential conversion, which was the old Norfolk Southern headquarters. It's now 162 apartments. There are people living there. It's 95% leased, like an incredible story and of where they started. They're gonna have their first retailer open at the end of this year, Wild Leap Brewing. Um, but all that being said, uh, them on the West and then Lalani Ventures, who purchased Underground Atlanta about 18 months ago, um, not a developer by training or history, but has brought in such smart partners to help him think, think through that site. Um, and so excited about the work that they're doing. And as of a couple years ago, when we all started getting our bearings and understanding what we had and what we wanted to do, um, at least at the, the beginning, we began having very intentional meetings together, sitting around a table, collaborating, talking about major issues, um, what we could do to support each other and how together our voice could be made stronger in a room with another partner. So the collaboration has not stopped and we don't foresee it stopping anytime soon. We, um, as an example, Five Points Marta Station is undergoing a huge transformation. Yeah. They have $150 million earmarked to take that canopy down, which will hopefully connect North and South downtown in a more meaningful way. And our developments surround that station on the south side. And so we've been uh, very supportive and vocal about, hey, Marta, invite us into that conversation. 
-hmm. Our development depends on MARTA being successful, and so we need to have a voice. And so there, that's just an example. MARTA's been incredibly receptive, but together we were sort of, you know, able to achieve that quicker than maybe any one of us would have been able to independently. Yes. Uh, we even trade retailers, you know. If, if I have a space mm -hmm. or a retailer that comes in that doesn't fit with in our portfolio and I think would be a good fit at Underground or CIM, then I'll refer them. Um, so there's a lot happening there. And I think yeah. the all tides rise together mm. is exactly what we say. I mean, I would much rather lose a tenant to Centennial Yards than to West Midtown. Mm. No offense to West Midtown, <laughs> but like we need great people yeah. to help build this story. Sure. And so we're very much championing each other's work. And the other thing that I think is interesting or really important for us to think about is we just have different product. Hmm. I mean, eventually we're both going to be competing for residents and new construction towers, but the residents that choose to live in ours are going to maybe have an appreciation for the historic structures beneath them. The residents that live in theirs are maybe going to have appreciation for being one block closer to Mercedes-Benz or State Farm. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's enough differentiation where We'll compete, but in a way that, again, like we're not competing for maybe the exact same person, the exact same time. Sure. What, uh, what have you learned about the neighborhood since you first got here? The culture, the people, the small business owners. What, what have you learned? Oh, I've learned that there's a ton of stories that we need to capture on audio or video. Um, we've started to do that a little bit, and that archive, I think, is going to become more and more important over time. Um, the biggest thing we learned really up front was that this community, while not impressive by numbers, incredibly impressive by passion. Most of the residents currently are owners. Some of those residents have owned for over 20 years. If you can imagine living in this neighborhood in its current state for 20 years, I mean, they're, they're ready, you know, um, but they are incredibly patient and have loved this neighborhood for kind of some foundational reasons mm -hmm. um, that are not gonna change just by what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's, been, it's been really fun. I mean, I would like to say that I know a lot of the people that live here at this point, most of the business owners um, that are in the neighborhood. And yeah, I'm just excited to be able to invite them mm -hmm. to the coffee shop um, come February and say first yeah. coffee's on us, come on over. Uh, we actually did something for the neighbors last year where we had a uh, Spiller Park, who's our mm -hmm. coffee operator. We had them functioning out of here last summer for 14 weeks as just a pop-up. Mm -hmm. And uh, we gave all the neighbors, all the residents, um, free coffee for the 14 weeks. So they can come in at wow. any time and grab a latte, cappuccino. And I mean, the goodwill that that builds between the barista that's here and who will, who will operate down the street mm -hmm. and the neighbors that are going to be the ones to support them on weekends. Um, I think we'll just, like the ROI is gonna be tenfold. Like we're yeah. not even gonna be able to, to really evaluate the success that that has on the future business of the retail tenants down the street. So we've tried to do some creative things and making sure that the community here um, feels heard, feels known, feels appreciated. And um, you know, eventually we're gonna ask them to fill the storefronts and drive business to the streets, so. You just used the word patient when describing the, the <laughs> residents yeah. of this neighborhood. You have to be an incredibly patient person knowing what the plans are, what's coming. Uh, how, do you, how do you manage that, April? I mean, you're talking about 2015, we're already seven years in, you yeah. know? 
will be at least seven years, you know, probably more mm -hmm. until most of, you know, the completion of this, uh, you know, you can see and touch and, and feel. How do you manage those, those long-term challenges personally? Um, so personally, um, it's been really hard. Uh, you know, I, I'm not from this industry, and so this mm -hmm. is my first sort of foray into commercial real estate. I joined this team because of the, the opportunity and the project, and I'm a native since I was three, so I call myself a native, and um, I spent childhood taking field trips to underground Atlanta, and mm -hmm. so I mean, there's, there's memories for me in the old Coke Museum, and the peach drop, the peach drop, yeah. and all of these things that, um, gosh, to be a tiny piece of how this gets reimagined and brought back to life was just an opportunity I couldn't <laughs> resist. Uh, so I finally convinced Olaf to hire me. Um, but I think when I, I mean, again, when I first came in, this is a great story. When I first came in, I had no idea the amount, everything that went into commercial development, especially with adaptive reuse projects. They're incredibly complicated. Even when you think you have it figured out along the way, you figure out more and more and more, and it becomes more expensive and more challenging. And so. It's been a five and a half year learning curve for me, yeah. and I'm still learning. Um, one story I like to share people is that I was very bullish from the beginning that this was gonna be amazing. And so in uh, January of 2018, I sat down with Dale Donchi, who owns Spiller Park Coffee, and I pitched to him, sort of a cold call. I said, hey Dale, I wanna show you something. I know I don't know you and you don't know me, but I've got something really cool cooking in downtown. And so I had my little iPad and I sat with him at Toco Hills, which had just opened at the time. And it took him through Hotel Row. And I was like, these spaces are incredible. They're, they've got some unique character. They're gonna deliver in early 2019. You should sign up to be our coffee operator. <laughs> I mean, I had no idea. Right. And so thankfully that relationship stayed very strong. Dale's love for the project and the spaces did not you know, falter. And we were able to sync it up when the buildings were actually ready. But I mean, there've been a couple of those that, you know, um, it was just proven to me that you should never put a date on a vinyl or construction fencing mm -hmm. because you'll never be right. Um, and you just have to build relationship with tenants and prospects so that when things come up, it is a work together partnership and figuring out the end mm -hmm. result versus this is a business transaction and we're out. Um, so I've learned a lot along the way, but patience is a thing in, sure. in this business. And I mean, our whole team, you know, we, even with this Broad Street project, we're trying to be very general, hoping to break ground first half of next year. Mm -hmm. Delivery will be 24 months-ish after that. Um, but, you know, there's so many things that come, in, come into the picture that will help make that story a reality yeah well but I the think, thing is yeah what's so fun is like every day i wake up and still get to come here and do this work and i think the fact that we work down here and sure. we get to walk in this building and we get to walk down these streets and i tour tenants through these spaces on a weekly basis it is just a constant reminder that our work is progressing mm -hmm. and so I like get to be reminded when I feel like we're not making any progress some weeks um, that the transition has all the transformation has already been mm -hmm. incredible. It's a miracle that we made it like 30 minutes into this interview without anybody honking outside the window, by the way. So 
I'm, or I'm, fire I'm trucks. Impressed. We have fire trucks. Or fire trucks. Yeah. Uh-huh. True. Yeah, our Castleberry uh, fire trucks usually come yes. through. Well, I'm sure you guys have learned uh, in the last few years. You know, I think for so long in Atlanta, like you said, on the other end of downtown even, things just got torn down and started over. Uh, you know, I I understand why, mm-hmm. you know, and you guys have learned that the challenge with older buildings, but the payoff is just not the same um, at the end of the day. So Godspeed, best of luck <laughs> with what you guys are doing. And I look forward to coming back and maybe we can sit down at Spiller Park or uh, grab, a, grab a pizza with wait. you in the near future. Yeah, so. we can't wait. Thank you guys for all the support. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. it's, um, it really is such a special part of the city hmm. and um, kind of feel like it's Atlanta's hidden secret right now. Hmm. And, um, you know, and it's, I, I hesitate to use this analogy sometimes, but in a similar way, like it, it's gonna be something that makes Atlantans really proud to be an Atlantan. Hmm. Um, I think about that with the Beltline. Like, there are challenges in the Beltline for sure. Yeah. And, um, but overarchingly, like, I think if you think about the intent of the Beltline and what it was designed to do and the connectivity that it has drawn to Atlanta and neighborhoods around, it makes me proud to be an Atlantan to say that we have something like that in our city. And I hope South Downtown is exactly that yeah. in several years to come. Well, in, in rewarding the patience of those residents who've been waiting so long in this neighborhood for somebody to see you know the potential you know to restore it to what what it once was and and even better so best of luck cool thank you thanks april good talking to you you too yep check out their account at south dwntn on instagram for more details on these upcoming projects Atlanta Born and Brand is a production of Connects Media. Make sure and follow the show on social media at ATL Born Brand on Instagram and like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. This year, we have another new video series to coincide with the Our City, Our Story theme, which can be found on all our social media platforms. Subscribe to the Atlanta Born and Brand YouTube channel for that content and more. Lastly, if you love the show, please spread the word. Share it with your friends and leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Your support helps make sure that more and more people hear the stories of all those folks doing great things all over the city. For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hilliard. Thanks for listening, and I'll see y'all soon.